Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by the Queen of Goblin and co-host Alex Dandino. <laughs> uh, this month, guys, December is our thank you to you for being on this journey. Hey, I'm being pro over here. <laughs> Our thank you to you for being on this journey. Uh, so we decided this month the pod will stuff your stockings, people. Uh, you, the listeners, have submitted your uh, movies to the altar of the cinema gods to us. And uh, we're having a go at them. First up, I did Rare Exports, which you guys have already heard, hopefully. Great episode. Great movie. Yep. Uh, today we dove in on your choices. <laughs> And I got to say, if this is how it's going to go, you guys really understand us. <laughs> yeah, you guys really understand the point of the show if this is the, these are the kind of flicks we're going to watch. Yeah, so first up, we're diving into uh, a submission from our friend, our friend uh, Ben Bruger. Little Benny Bruger. Yeah, old Bean Bruger on uh, Amazon Prime, I actually found it. It's called R100. Um, This movie might be the perfect example of what we hoped this show would be about. <laughs> uh, Alex, can you in any logical way, because I failed all morning trying to describe this movie to uh, my wife, give me your brief summation and uh, thoughts as you turned off this uh, this banger. <laughs> um, No. <laughs> because <laughs> here's the thing you could start off by saying oh it's about a guy who essentially joins yeah. an s&m club and he's not I mean, allowed to quit but I mean, that does so absolute little justice to what this yeah. actually is the description on imdb is like the, i think we read it in the pre-show like the main like the one where we introduce all the movies for the month uh we read the description it's and I made like this joke that it was like Amazon Prime. I'm like, no, this is more like the real life application of Hellraiser. But if Hellraiser was more just like <laughs> comedy and less, I honestly no, that's not even the right. I honestly do not know what this movie's about. I could not tell you. You could other than saying like, oh yeah, a guy gets like the shit kicked out of him for fun. Like that's really it. yeah. Well, it starts off as almost this kind of. It's it's a little fight club in the uh, journey to reinvent the life you don't like, and, yeah, and we yeah. do a little kind of personal journey at the start. Um, then it yeah it turns into almost dark comedy, and then at a certain point they're just like, oh, now this is a porn movie without any sex. Yeah, and then uh, it turns, turn, <laughs> then at the very end it turns into this weird like you a bowl movie that I didn't know existed, and I you know I mean. You know, if, you, yeah, if you're, fam this if you're familiar with that guy's work, that's the only way I could describe what happens at the end of the movie. <laughs> there's, someone, there's one listener out there who's like, fucking finally, someone gets it. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, man. I found myself captivated by this movie. This movie does the thing that I always say on the show is most important to me is I just want to be taken somewhere new and uncomfortable <laughs> whenever yeah. I turn on a movie. And this does that in a uh, dramatic fashion. <laughs> yeah, this movie really has no interest in what you expect from it. It's just going to do what it wants to do. Like it, 
It starts. Yeah, out- we're we're the submissive, and the the movie is the dominatrix. For oh sure. my god, yes. <laughs> like the movie starts really matter of factly too. It's kind of like I wrote down. I'm like I like I had no idea what I was in for when I sat down. I watched the trailer, and I'm like, none of this explains anything. But whatever. I'm sure it's just a trailer. No, the trailer actually surmises the entire movie for an audience without you even realizing it. Because really, that's all you need to know is this, <laughs> there's a trailer that's for this movie. But like, it starts with just like a chick in a dominatrix outfit smoking in the bathroom. Like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's a good way to start a flick. Yeah, you're like, anytime. Okay, we're starting with Motley Crue smoking in the boys' room. This is good. Yeah. Uh, she kind of comes out and has this power walk through the cafe, which I dug. Yeah. And then this this guy just kind of starts waxing know-it-all. Like, of course you know this trivia. I know everyone. <laughs> like the worst first date ever. And she just fucking kicks him right in the dome. Yeah. Kicks when him he's right having in the coffee head. And I was, His fucking <laughs> coffee goes everywhere. And I'm like, oh. so, you're, <laughs> so you're like, this is awesome. <laughs> Makes the guy go in and flush her stool yeah. in the toilet. He comes out, follows her again. She whoops his ass and rolls him down the stairs. And this starts uh, a theme in the movie that I thought we could dive into. <laughs> immediately oh my god uh, the the ripple face and the swollen face right okay. immediately for me as a as a 90s kid you're like oh this is the the summation of system of a downs video aerials <laughs> <laughs> it's the aerials kid all grown up <laughs> i could not figure out what the face was because honestly the whole time i was sitting there i was watching the movie and i'm like we got to figure out a way to say this on the show Without it sounding super offensive, because all I could think the whole time is like, "What's the deal with this like super Asian face happening?" Yeah, like, I, it's like well, this like exaggerated those old, like, uh, anime, political like, cartoons, like, a, like Pokemon kids. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it was strange. So this is a theme they do throughout the movie, right? Uh, every time he gets whooped, essentially, for the most part, we'll talk about some other exceptions. Sure. Uh, he all of a sudden gets his eyes turn black. And there's a rippling effect. Yeah. And his face kind of swells. Yeah, like you said, into like these old kind of like almost racist it's super political racist. cartoons from like World War II era, if you look those up. <laughs> yeah. What what did you make of the face ripple? What does the face ripple come to represent to you? I feel like it's I mean, I felt like it was just supposed to be euphoria. Like it's the it's like essentially the climax. Or like the beginning of the climax, maybe. Like because there's because like it doesn't happen immediately when he starts getting his ass kicked. Like it takes a minute. And then eventually he like, like that one woman who uh, finds him in the middle of the street and just starts repeatedly kicking him in the stomach. It takes him like (laughs) five or six good licks. And then all of a sudden he starts getting, getting like, you know, giant face. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe it. it. It's just giant face. Like there, there's a, a strange use of it in this movie, too, because when it first starts again, and I knew very little about this movie. In fact, I'll even say I knew nothing about this movie. <laughs> oh, you don't say when, when it happens the first time. I was like, oh, my God, is this like a body snatchers thing? I thought he was actually like, oh, being possessed. I was like, oh, fuck. And in a oh, way, yeah. I guess he is right. He's kind of possessed by the the thrill. Right. Sure. So because when we start off and we're following this guy, right, he's kind of Mr. Mundane. He has this kind of line I liked, which he talks about. He's like, most people separate everything into two categories, right? There's the, there are two types of Christmas people. There are two types of this, you know? We we do that analogy a lot in our societies. Right, yeah. And he's like, most people do that. They suss out a situation, then put themselves on one side, and that gives them comfort and a way to describe the world. 
And he's obviously like, you know, he's Mr. Mundane, right? He's trying. And we learn later that this guy has a pretty rough lot in life. He works at the retail store where he seemingly is much older than everyone else he works with. Yeah. Uh, He's trying to have a social life, but then he goes home and his grandfather or his father-in-law is helping raise his son, which he had a son. This gets really weird at the end of the movie. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And then he's also has a wife who we don't know why, but is in a coma in the hospital on life support, essentially vegetative state. And he goes every day in Caesar, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he starts down this path, and the first time I saw the ripple, it, it besides like the body snatching, I'm like, oh, okay, is this some kind of unreliable narrator or dream sequencing? Right. Which right. I don't think it is later, because when he goes to the door for the first time, mm-hmm. he rings the bell twice and then just walks away defeated, and the, the intercom voice does the, oh, that's it? You're just going to walk away? Yeah, yeah, and he makes the choice, right? Because this in that moment, I thought it was a really cool visual storytelling of he's just one of those guys, like, oh, I'm not gonna make waves, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'll just leave, right? And then he's brought in and has like his Matrix moment, right? Because he goes in, there's a, you know, Poindexter yeah. sorting all the pills, and he's just he has great lines, and this is where they explain the club. So to me, the the ripples actually start to take on this kind of evolutionary quality, right? Where every time he goes into one of these instances, it's it's actually changing him and mutating who he actually is and how he interacts with the world. Sure, I thought it was no, a, it's it's a really interesting kind of cartoony tool to use. But by the end of the movie, I actually really dug it, and I felt like it was pretty informative when they choose to have it happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good way to put. It definitely is like this evolutionary thing where he. I mean, by the end of the movie, he's a completely different character. That's what's crazy about this movie. Like, I have no idea what happened, but I know that this guy changed throughout the film. Like, probably for the better. <laughs> Other than, like, totally abandoning his small child. Sorry, spoiler. Um, we'll uh, no, that. he comes back at the end, and they're happier than ever. Oh, that's FYI. true. Sorry. You're right. My bad. Sometimes you yep. have to go on a wild, murderous sexcapade spree before you can be a good Instagram dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I just remembered that. Oh, my God. Why did I forget? It's the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in a movie, and I can't believe I forgot it. Oh, my God. We'll probably get there. I, probably because I tried blocking <laughs> it out. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, the sort of that weird euphoria is this sort of evolutionary thing for the character's name, I think, is Takafumi. But he, like, essentially starts out as just, like, this sort of subservient it's the submissive face of like, oh my god, finally I'm getting my pleasure on. And then by the end of the movie, it's almost this. Uh, he becomes. I mean, like it's a strange sort of reversal, I guess, so to speak. He becomes almost his own version of the Dom. It's weird. It's just such a strange movie. Like, right. Well, this is, when they bring him into the club, right? They kind of lay out these rules of there's no play. We'll provide the pleasure. You don't talk. You don't do this. You don't. No violence. No whatever. Yeah. You pretty much like they'll show up and they're going to fuck you up whenever they want. And so they set him on this course. But the guy has these really cool lines where um, he kind of talks about like the one line he said, which I, I love because he does the classic kind of Hellraiser, right? Like once we pass a threshold of pain and we experience joy. Yeah, yeah. But he looks at him and kind of does this like call to action. He's like, will you will you make waves in the pool of ecstasy? <laughs> And I was like, that's kind of cool, man. That plays with the ripples nice. And it's just good imagery. I was like, I like that. Uh, And he starts talking about, 
and this is what I think a big part of the movie is, is he says that our true natures are only truly revealed when we are in the presence of the extraordinary. Yeah. Right? So, because you see this with the scene uh, when they're at the sushi restaurant, right? Right. So the first time, he's kind of had this shit day at work, whatever. He's at a sushi restaurant. And this dominatrix just appears out of nowhere. And every time he's handed a, I don't know what sushi thing's called, a roll? No, that's not a roll. That's a sashimi. A rice ball with that's sashimi. disgusting uncooked meat in it, whatever it's the fuck sashimi. they sashimi. Be cultured, dude. It's bullshit is what it is. Cook your food, monsters. All of you who eat sushi, I look down upon you. <laughs> no, but... Uh, so he's sitting there eating, and this dominatrix starts smashing his food, and essentially he has to like kind of scoop it up, right? It's very yeah. undignified. Yeah, it's how my kid eats. It's weird, but you <laughs> see, there's there's these two normals just like appalled by what's happening. They're looking at him like, yeah. uh. so you see this start to break, right? And I think that's where the cool ripple thing happens, right? His face kind of swells, and there, there's something growing in him where he now is a part of this extraordinary, and we're gonna see how. He changes and reacts, and and it's actually kind of one of the things I dug in the movie is they do a really good job of setting up his actual kind of, uh, you know, Mr. Mundane life. Right. You really get a sense of this guy and that he's good. He try, He's trying to be a good dad. He's a good husband. He goes every day and refills the flowers for his wife. Yeah. Um. When his wife, when we're in his hospital room, we see, like, the good set deck of, you know, the happy family pictures yeah. and the, the hand-drawn, like, family pictures from the kid mm -hmm. um it's it's really this kind of like nice portrait of this guy just struggling to maintain normal although he's probably all fucked up inside well that's so like now, the well, that's the thing i like the most about the montage right. we get about the like right right around like the i feel like right around the 30 minute mark is when like things uh -huh. start to kick off and like we get this montage of him like going to private places essentially oh yeah no, I love like that. Cause there's like the one he just gets in a van. He yeah. walks into like a little octopus sculpture into a dump. And it's just like we see the the ripples outside, yeah. right? So he's just getting whooped and he's he's like super saiyaning up. <laughs> right. But it's like totally on. I think that's the thing I like the most, though, is that it starts. It's on his terms. So like because yeah. that's when things well, really the first start time to start unravel. Right, she runs into the sushi place and mm -hmm. smashes it, and then he's walking by the fountain, and she drags him in. Yeah, and they do this cool moment where, as he's like kind of glowing, we see him almost like he's going into the sunken place. Right, he's sinking down, <laughs> and he's getting smaller and smaller and smaller on camera. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like this little bit of him. And this is the funny thing that I I wonder if the movie's tackling a little bit. But by the end, you don't know what the fuck any of it's supposed to mean or why. So this is all just kind of like it's a choose your own ad adventure or choose your own meaning story. But um, I like the idea that they're saying that what's happening with his wife and his family is mundane. It's not extraordinary to us. We see that's a whole movie in America, right? A dad trying to make it work while his wife's in the hospital and he visits her every day. That's like a, you know, feel good end of the year kind of movie. Like, look, family's the most important thing. I told you. <laughs> Like, we do that whole movie. This is just played off as, like, hey, man, everyone's got shit. Yeah. Right? And so they're saying that him, the character he's created for himself post this tragedy is not his true nature, right? Right. And that when he's getting his ass beat by these dominatrixes, this is him coming out. And I was like, that's kind of cool, man, to take, like, 
this very holiday movie setup, right? Of this, you know, tragedy of life and just say, man, that's everyone. Yeah. You know, you got to go get your ass beat. (laughs) (laughs) I've actually been beaten by a dominatrix in public. So I do know that you learn a lot about yourself when you're in those uh, furry handcuffs. (laughs) Uh, Bar sinister. Yeah. All my friends paid to just have me fucking whooped upon by this large ginger woman. (laughs) Brutal. The weirdest part about that was when I looked over and five feet away from me, there's just guys playing regular Nintendo in a goth bar. I was like, what is happening in my life? (laughs) What is my life? Why is this happening? (laughs) It's like, I must, how many decisions did it take to hit this very low point? (laughs) It's always one of those things you're standing there and you're in the middle of something like that and you're like, my decision tree has been very strange today. I'm not going to lie. Like (laughs) connecting the dots down to this is really upsetting, actually. Right. Oh, you know what? Oh, my God. I forgot about the weirdest thing about the fountain. Because, I, yeah, I like the mon- – and the montage is cool because he chooses, right? A lot of the other times he doesn't choose. Right. Uh, one time he chooses poorly, whether this is involuntary or not. They cut from the fountain scene to him, like, breaching water. Oh, my God. He's like, ah. Yep. He's in the bath with his with son. His I'm son? Like, what the fuck? I was like, dude, if there's ever a time to tamp down your sexual yeah. fantasies, it's Relax, when you're sharing dude. a bath with your, like, 10-year-old son. You're going to share a bath with your kid. You need to You need to lock that shit down, all right? Yeah. His son's just like, so is this how we do it? We just kind of sit in the water and stew together and get real greasy? Gross, Dad. Gross. <laughs> I, think I was like, not the best time. But then I also think that's the first time it's intruded on his life. Like, every time it's been on his terms, and then that's the first time he's, like, come out it's almost essentially like it's the gap it's the bridging the gap it's starting to bridge the gap because then the right. next time is uh is that before this after is the where it alley. leads to one of my favorite parts right where this is when the doctors are telling the the father-in-law yeah, yeah. that the woman's pretty much not gonna make it right and he comes to visit his wife and he overhears this right and he's kind of sad he leaves the hospital and we see a dominatrix jump him on the street and yep. beat him up right right this is the only time in the movie that this happens where we don't see the ripple he's no Uh, longer gaining anything from this right he's kind of he's stuck so deep in reality now the fact that he might lose his wife that he can't maintain both realities at once and he goes home and there's this beautiful moment he just collapses to his knees where you know his son's like oh these crockets or crumpets whatever the fuck they are they're all smashed they're all messed up and he goes this is all messed up i need to make this right and so this is, again, this is what you're saying. This starts a little series where now, because his source of strength before during the montage, we see him at work and he's like almost empowered. Like, I can do this shitty job well because right. I'm getting my ass spanked in an octopus slider. Right, right. Uh, but now it is starting to, to fuck him up and get in the way of his life, right? And you see this with his son, which I thought was a really cool moment when he just like, he, he chooses to stay untrue to himself as the movie's telling us to help his kid and it as a dad and you'll you'll see this soon man like this is a struggle that we go through where you sit there and and there's this part of you that's like that led you to finding a mate in this you know this i will be a hunter and wild and i'll go out and do all these things and uh a lot of that just gets taken out of your hands. You know, you're you're in these life and this doing these things and decisions that you really don't have enough say on anymore. Right. And it is this constant struggle for parents of how much can I let the freak flag fly? <laughs> or did I already, you know, like, is that over? Is it only a freak anchor now? I don't know. <laughs> Bury it deep beneath so that we don't drift into the abyss. 
Um, but I was like, that's a really fucking cool touching moment to me personally as a dad. I was like, I fucking feel exactly where he's at. Right. Because he finally found this little moment of happiness, but he's worried about how it's going to spread. Right. right? And so he, he takes the shot. He's like, I'll just, in a way, he's submissive then to his kid as well. It was a really cool moment, I thought. Yeah, I liked the, um, yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where I, I like that reality, sometimes reality is too much. I think that was the thing I liked the most about him not getting any jollies out of that, that getting that beat down was, I got out of that. Yeah, reality's too much right now. Like I can't. Well, he's like, dude, I just went four rounds with uh, my wife's doctor. Like, come yeah. on. Like, like I can't extricate myself from reality <laughs> just yet. Like I can't. I'm not in the right headspace. Not only that, like, like the croquettes thing is interesting too, because like that whole bit is. That's what I mean. That's what parenting. That's what parenthood really is. Is like, oh wow, these are messed up. I need to fix this. Like, there's a lot yeah. of that kind of thing. I like that a lot. There's well, they do this, too. There's another fun thing they kind of play along with, like, his struggle is constantly characters in the movie are like, was that an earthquake? Yeah. What is so that? It's like everyone's always afraid of impending doom, right? He's the only one that his earthquake, quote unquote, uh, kind of gives him joy. <laughs> He's all titillated by it. Everyone else who says it's like, oh, like everyone's afraid, right? So I think it's this nature of around every this is the two categories of people again right right is that around every corner at any moment there could be the earthquake it's how do you react to it well i I think that's i think that's part of the thing of this whole club and like the whole dominatrix issue is that's what it is it's like that's the earthquake is almost about to over up like the impending doom is everyone finding out he's doing this because that's like, oh, the, that's good. Because literally, like the next scene then is him going back to the his wife to see his wife, and she shows up in real life. Oh wait, is it the at work first? Oh, this is at work. Yeah, because this work is weird. This yeah, gets beaten first. at work, and his friend just comes out and is like, hmm, just washes hands very <laughs> nonchalantly, like. Well, this is very strange, right? By like, the way, the outside world's like, no, outside not at my work. General reaction to this is weird. Like nobody gives yeah. a shit. Apparently, like everyone. I give like, mad respect to Japan because this we spend time like our news was literally done for three months. We couldn't learn any information about what's happening in our world because we had to debate who should use what fucking bathroom. We're in Japan where guys are just getting their asses yeah. beat, and some guys just like. Oh man, I really hope I remembered to stock shelf twelve. <laughs> Just keeps washing his hands. Yeah, I was like, I mean, mad respect Japan. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese people, the culture over there is impeccable. All you guys mind your own business. I think that's wonderful. Like the news is basically like, yeah, this happened today. Nobody cares about that guy who got beat down right. in the bathroom. And this is funny because this is where the movie stops. Right, this is where the first movie ends. This is yeah. kind of the first um, family drama, right? Pursuit of happiness moment, if you will. A little, little weirder, but same, same idea, right? <laughs> Uh, this is where that movie ends, and now we're starting the second movie because the movie freeze frames and actually gives us the R100 yeah. logo. Yeah, and it's like uh, Squeech. Like I remember, I had to be like, "Is it frozen or what?" <laughs> we cut to a bunch of people outside, just uh, yeah, right. We don't know who these people are until later in the movie. This is an audience and executives reacting to the movie that we're watching befuddled and confused as to what why are we releasing (laughs) so there the movie itself creates characters that are real life audience members saying wait none of this makes any sense yeah like this movie is let's see triple meta 
Like it's meta within meta, essentially, because that happens, and then because you're already worried, there's unreliable narrating going on. Yeah, and, and then, then we <laughs> learn that it is truly unreliable narration. Yeah, and that the pe- the audience members watching it with us don't think it's very good. Narration. That's the other thing too. <laughs> the audience, like that's the crazy thing about the whole like meta film within a film thing is the people who are watching the movie within the movie are having the exact same reactions as everyone in the theater watching the movie itself. Like, it's weird to be watching that movie. Like, I thought it was very strange to be watching a movie and get validated by the people watching the movie in the movie. My feelings. Well, like, oh, it, it makes it's okay be, to feel this it, way? It's, right, but there are two kinds of people, right? Let's play this game with that. Either the movie is so insanely smart that it's telling you things that we think are gaffes to let you know, hey, we know you're thinking that and it's not right. Or kind of weird but who fucking cares right let's have fun because this is where the movie goes bonkers right this is where he goes to see his wife and a dominatrix ties him up and she is the queen of voices so in one of the cruelest turns of the movie she imitates his wife's voice right and it's really fucking dark like holy shit man they're really going in on this guy now we go back to his house and we have the uh, the bondage Ken doll new from Mattel right yeah (laughs) he's like what the fuck you gave me that creeping down Oh, some and lady, then the yeah, lady comes the to like, his oh, house. I just opened the door to some lady in black, and she gave me this doll. Yeah. So you're like, oh, you and Grandpa are doing really bad parenting. <laughs> but this <laughs> this is maybe the scene that – this is the last moment of decency, and then we are fully gone after this. Absolutely. Uh, he walks into his room. He's caught by a dominatrix, tied up and whipped, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, stop, stop, my son will hear because he thinks he hears his son's voice and he assumes it's the queen of voices again. Right. He's like, you're not going to give me with that impression. Yeah, we cut to his son actually is, hey, daddy, who's that lady and why is she hitting you? (laughs) The very next thing we see, the son is now tied up from the ceiling, yeah, ball gagged and wearing the exact same mask as his father. Uh, while the beating continues and escalates as we meet the Queen of Saliva. <laughs> the Queen of Saliva. This was... A, I I didn't understand this. Because this is the part of the movie. I, I texted you when this happened. Because it was like, there is a part of this movie that violently shifts the film into another movie. Like, it is shocking. I think... I'll tell you what I thought it was. Is he rippled... When she tricked him at the hospital with his wife's voice. Oh. <laughs> I think he was titillated by the fact that she saw his true nature. Right. And the guilt of that is what sends it off on this. Very true. Kind of comically insane version of the movie we've been watching. That's, I'll give you that. Yeah, that makes sense. So I was like, maybe this is now inner guilt and we're not. I don't know. The director of the movie who's watching the movie with us says we won't be able to understand it until we're 100 years old. Right. So I don't know, but I'm taking a lot of leaps. I actually, well, that's the thing I love. This is, is one of the first movies where I'm like, I hope I do make it to 100 and that it'll be like, ding, and it'll all crystallize for me. <laughs> like, that's the thing I love about the movie is in the movie theater, there's a 100-year-old guy watching the movie, and he's the only one who's just like, I'm into this. this I think that's the director. Is it really? I mean, maybe. That's awesome if it is. I hope so. If only a 100-year-old could understand, the director would have to be old probably, right? There's two things the Queen of Saliva scene accomplishes. One, again... First off, spit. Come on. I fucking (laughs) hate spit more than anything ever. Like, you could almost do anything to me, but if you spit on me, that is like... 
the grossest shit to me. Hate it. So this was hard for me to watch. But not a what? fan. That whole the whole I want to go back to the sun being bound and gagged and hanging from the ceiling. Never mentioned. Nothing is brought up about well, it. Well, I love just, that he's actually just played off as a prop. Yeah, <laughs> he's literally just a prop in the background. You're like, it's mizzen scene, right? There's a child like, hanging get bound what you and want out of there. <laughs> yeah, whatever, it's fine. So, <laughs> the queen I mean, is You don't have thing. kids yet. That's very much what it's like for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> the queen is alive a thing. The end of the sh- the end of the scene shifts this movie in such a violent way. Well, first we have to do the spit disco, which was just fucking yeah. hysterical. I'm like, this is just one of those things I'm glad I've seen. The lead up is amazing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what that song is. Like it is. What, what did you like? It's spit just like disco. Yeah. Like some sort of strange <laughs> disco song. But like, I mean, she's dancing around him. She cuts up like tomatoes and puts everything like puts different food in a blender and then Ugh. fills martini glasses with it and spits on him after he eating the martini glasses of food, like one by one. So gross. So then she holds the last martini. So she does this whole dance around him, too. Like, it's really weird and fascinating. I don't understand yeah. what's going on. So he does this whole dance around him. <laughs> Finally, she goes comes to the last glass, drinks the whole thing, backs up out of the room to the banister. And that's important, by the way. Backs up to the bathroom the banister. And she's going for distance now. So she's trying she's to like the kids from it, right? Yeah. She's yeah. Doing a loogie now. <laughs> it's a loogie contest. See how close she gets. So she spits once, doesn't get to him. She spits twice, doesn't get to him. She leans all the way back on the banister to finally hit the guy. The banister breaks and she fucking falls down to the first floor of the house and dies. It was fucking. I was shocked. Like my mouth was agape watching this move. The watching this part of it I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my what god! What is happening? What is happening in this movie? And then the phone's ringing, right? We find out that the club is now mad that he killed her, right? And this is where we we start. This is where it's all the way gone now. Like once we leave the house, it's over. It's all the way over. Yeah. We've been on a downward slide. Now it's over, right? So we do like some Japanese Almond Brothers music, and we start driving away from the scene, right? right. They have one of my new favorite shots in all of movies is the sun still ball gagged with the mask on his head Sleeping. out the window just slobbering out the window <laughs> like, Dad, he didn't even take his ball gag out. <laughs> slobber boy yeah like come on orgy s&m rules 101 ball gag, ball, ball gag out but no and then it cuts to japanese jackie treehorn's house and like it's it's basically <laughs> it's basically just all dominatrix like hanging out in a pool then we cut to this thing where, like, but all no, the- not only that, we do the pool testimonials. This is that, where we that's stop what I was, and that's we what I was cut talking away. About. The movie stops and we do like <laughs> testimonials about how much everybody loved the Queen of Saliva. It- this is an interesting moment to choose to try to stop the story that you've now just pushed completely out of control down the icy hill. <laughs> to say, let's take a minute and humanize our dominatrix. Our- <laughs> Let's take a minute and humanize that queen of saliva yeah. who died. She so wanted soon. to be a veterinarian. Once she put a snake egg in her coat and hatched it. And you're like, that does not make me feel less sad that she nope. has died. If you are hatching snake eggs close to your body inside of a coat and you spit on people, I'm actually pretty sure we don't need you in society. <laughs> Personal opinion. Oh my God. So, yeah, we cut to this sort of weird, like, the office thing with a bunch of little testimonials and shit. It's very, it's very peculiar. 
Like, but everyone's also really broken up about the fact that the Queen of Saliva is dead. So it's it's so weird to me to try to humanize the dominatrix because the entire movie they play almost in a Michael Myers way that yeah. they're not really people like us. They're kind of these inner demons, whatever. And then they're like, no, they're actually just people who hang out and then go out <laughs> and uh, fucking beat you and have special talents like voices. Right. And gobbling as we see. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. So uh, Takafumi uh, leaves the kid with just nobody like leaves him with a the- government agent who's he- anti uh, unsavory elements. <laughs> yeah, it seems. That oh, way. my God. Wait, this is OK. Let's stop right now. We got to get to this. Do you think there's a chance this kid makes it out? OK, no, like he's going to have a productive adult life. No, that kid definitely like. He runs out. He's almost hit by a car, right? What happens to him? He gets the fucking ripple. The fucking ripple face. He almost gets hit by a car. So like his pain, (laughs) his pain is like all based in this like weird adrenal gland, like hardcore. uh, I might die type thing. Like his. No. Do you want serial killers? This is how you get serial. That's a serial killer. Weird sexual hangups that involve their parents. Also, also that woman who tells him, like, we could have hit you, has, like, no reaction to it. She has zero reaction to the fact that they almost killed a kid. She just goes, hey, we almost hit you. <laughs> Drives away. That's it. <laughs> and he's just like, oh. oh. His little tidy whities just get a little bunched up. He's like, what's happening? <laughs> Ripple. Ripple. He gets rippled. That kid for sure winds up. A kid for sure winds up a serial killer without question. We see him again where he's happy, but I feel like this is where he creates his mask. Yeah. This kid now is like, I must pretend to be the boy I was so that I continue to murder and be deviant or begin my murderous deviant sexual journey. So, yeah, Japanese. Oh, that, that poor kid. But that's like the. Is that, is that all it takes to ruin one kid, do you think? Being ball gagged and hung from the ceiling. No, I'm gonna. While say, your dad gets spit on. I'm gonna say, given the ending of the movie, no, that is not the only thing that. Can well, wait a sec. Kid. He never sees. He has a blindfold on. He doesn't know what's happening. For all he knows, his dad spits spit shining shoes. For all he knows, is the queen of saliva came in and killed herself, which is exactly. He's just what like, happened. what's this horrible disco music? Dad cleans his shoes too. That kid might be okay. No. Maybe what they're saying in that scene is that the ripple is just unavoidable. That kid winds nope. up. That kid. <laughs> no, he's damaged. That kid he's w- officially damaged. That kid winds up being like. <laughs> that kid winds up being I don't know like Japanese Dexter or. Uh, yeah, you know. Let's just hope he aims it at the right target. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Based on the ending of that movie, I would. He say He didn't that see kid. anything though. I don't know how fucked up he'll be. I guess he saw the initial. Daddy's getting spanked. When we get to the end of the movie, you'll know how fucked up that kid is. <laughs> so. Takafumi goes back to his house, and uh, that's where we meet the Queen of Gobbling, which might yes. be the most disturbing thing I've ever seen in a movie. Like it's like Junji Ito level weird, creepy shit. Like, yeah, she's unhinging her jaw and actually eating someone. Yeah. What I love is that this is when we pause for the audience to be like, "What the fuck? The Queen of Gobbling?" Like the whole movie's <laughs> like, "We know, we know," and they're setting us up for. Because this is where they have the whole, like, is this movie make any sense? Prepare yourself. We're getting out of control. <laughs> the rest of the movie, I don't know that we need to go scene by scene. I don't know that there's anything to it. No. Essentially, we see a plane land with uh, Dominatrix Ric Flair. Yeah. 
And she gets to the house and she's like, what's happening? I'm furious. And she keeps doing this like montage of belly flops. She into just the keeps pool. jumping into the pool. I have no idea why. I don't know what happened, but she's just yeah. cannot stop jumping into the pool. Furious rage. Now she comes and we get like a little Akira Kurosawa shot where she's sitting in front of her banners. Yeah. With an army of bondage ninjas who are then murdered by uh, a now fully rippled out uh, lead guy. With a case of grenades, who must kill a hundred women here. He's just throwing grenades. That's it. And And this, so now he's not just, this is him rippling, not from the abuse, but from murder. Yeah. And then, this is what I mean, it's it's so hard to like, I don't know that there's much to dive into. It's just awesome imagery. It's just one of those movies. It ends with the rip. So here's what happens. The uh, dominatrix Ric Flair and Ripple guy. Yeah, because she can walk up to the grenades and just deflect them yeah. by conducting. She, 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 no, she, yeah, she, she missed her Holland's opuses, those shits out of the she way. She missed her Holland's opuses with her dominatrix whip out of the way. They approach each other, they go into the barn, and then they basically ripple. Like, okay, so the barn becomes um, a music staff, and the ripples become the notes to Ode to Joy, I think, which is a reference to the beginning right. of the movie. And then the last scene of the movie. So the last there's like a final scene or something like that. The hundred year old man in the movie also loves. He begins to ripple, which is, you know, because he's a hundred. The years. director self ripples, self ripples yes. because you know. But he, no, this is what happens though. We get a very two thousand one slash the Matrix. So she drags him in. She actually takes him to a liter. She takes him to the woodshed literally. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we start getting ripples, but they're micro ripples. Uh, 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 yeah, uh, she does the. It's and the, we we cut back and we rewatch the whole movie. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, and uh, we learn though because remember in the carousel, in the dominatrix circus or whatever the fuck that was supposed to be, the guy says, "Are you the one?" Oh, we learn yeah. that he is the perfect sub, right? He's right. become, and the, eventually, and I forget what he says. He says the masochist births the sadist. Yeah. So through this perfect mix of the greatest dominatrix and the greatest sub, we cut to what may be the best ending scene in any movie ever. When they say, a sadist is bored. Cut to lead guy in his tidy whities again, now pregnant, now junior pregnant. style. <laughs> and not only pregnant, but doing those vanity pregnancies. Doing shoots. like Demi Moore and Vanity Fair pregnancy <laughs> photos. Throwing up the feathers, getting his son to like also in his underwear to touch his belly, like touch his belly and stuff. Uh, <laughs> are we to? Assume, I mean, we're like, is this like the sadist antichrist we're birthing here? Are we to assume is there a that, sequel to this movie that's Rosemary's Babies, but did, just in that swimming pool? Did area? Dominatrix <laughs> Ric Flair have a penis and actually impregnate the guy? That would be a hell of a movie. No, see, I think you're thinking too literally now. This is the culmination of oh. all the evolutionary black fluids he's been uh, building inside so of himself have now formed into a new species. So he's pregnant with the sadist baby? Yes. Wow. So his baby would come out and not be submissive, but be whooping people. That's very Antichrist style. Wow. Having a butt baby. Who knew? That's crazy. I mean, the way this is going for him, I don't know how that thing would come out. It would probably involve the maximum amount of pain. Maybe it just alien chest burst out. <laughs> I like to think it'd be a butt baby. Or again, this could all just be not literal at all. This is him. He is rebirthed as a new man. And for some reason, we just need to visualize that 
with a pregnant man. <laughs> I'm gonna say based on the way this movie based on the way this movie went, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the literal version and say she had a penis and he's actually pregnant. Okay, I mean that that's definitely a read. That's gonna be that's my that's gonna be my read based on the whole movie. <laughs> there is the metaphorical read, of course, but based on this movie, I'm not sure how deep in metaphor we are. Oh, here's how I'm gonna take it. This ending shot shows us that his actions have burned the sadist who's actually his son. He's morphed his son now into a sick sadist like we saw in the woods. <laughs> and that's why he's like, grab my belly. He's transferring the sadist, you know, through the belly to his new son. I don't know if any of that's real. It's very weird, strange, surreal ending. Um, it's it's so wacky to me because it starts off as a unusual but fairly standard and easy to comprehend kind of story. Right. And by the end, it is essentially just a porn movie without fucking. (laughs) Uh, It is such an unusual finish. But what I like about this movie, too, is this movie is a prime example of sometimes it doesn't really matter if there is anything to say or more to say. Um, It reminds me of like you you see those people that go to museums just to look at like Jackson Pollock paintings. Right. And they're like, oh, I see something. And it's like, no, you don't. You're so desperate to be one of the... There are two kinds of people. People who see Jackson Pollock as more than just bullshit and people who lie to themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Or people who uh, are telling the truth to themselves, as it were. This is just one of those movies that say, hey, man, here's just this hodgepodge of kind of weird, super fun, disturbing stuff to look at. Do what you will with it. You won't understand until you're 100. The audience inside of the movie we're watching is telling us we don't understand and it's okay because you never want to turn it off you never want to turn away man no i i thought it was shockingly fun and weird like i'm not sure that i i took anything past that daddy will fix this right like the first freeze frame of r100 i'm not sure that i gathered a lot after that except for weird fun imagery you know, after I saw a big fat spitting lady spit herself so hard she fell down a banister and died, I was pretty much that was the end of the movie. I think for me, I was pretty much like, "Cool, I'm on whatever ride you guys have left." This is very entertaining. Uh, uh it was fuck. Okay, here's the big question to wrap up with: If given the choice, would you join the club? No. No. Not a chance. I never. Uh, I guess our, our wives aren't in comas, so that would be harder to explain. I also never went to Bar Sinister, so I wasn't really into that stuff. You just tell Amy as I'm getting whooped, like, Amy, it's one year. Just bear with me. <laughs> we have the rest of our lives. We're going to be the on Golden Pond couple if we make it through the ass whooping yeah, year. But see, they involve the family too much, man. Like, I don't want. I, I would like getting. But see, you're thinking. You're thinking of it literally. I'm, like, I'm thinking is, about how it works in the movie. Would you rat? Would. Are you desperate to know your true self, or are you okay just walking by as this fucking Italian sheep I see before me? Oh, yeah. She- big big sheep right here. <laughs> You're like, put a hand in my ass and call me Lamb Chop. I'm out. <laughs> Listen, I don't, I, don't ca- I don't care what anybody says. If you keep, Everyone who says they would take the red pill in the Matrix is a fucking liar. You would absolutely Oh, never pill. take the pill in the Matrix. Even when they win in the end of the Matrix, you're like, you're still eating slop and wearing dirty potato yeah, sack clothes. Exactly. <laughs> the Matri- never. No, the never. Never. The Blue pill, Matrix, I'm fine. 
I don't need to know oh. my true self. Yeah, oh, I can meet real people and have real sex with unwashed genitals. Oh, cool. Yeah, gross. I'm oh. so free. Or I could have no way, sweet man. digital sex, and it'd be great. It's the same thing. Same sensation. I see. Fine. Okay, I'm on both sides. On the Matrix, I would say no fucking way I'd ever unplug. But in this, I would definitely want one year of whooping and a uh, system of a downing my face to see what what's hiding beneath my mask. No, nah, I'm going to... Because gonna... it's only one year, and then I can go back to my normal life, maybe. No. Unless I am the one who becomes uh, pregnant with sadists. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be a pregnant sadist. I think I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> I think I'll take one for the team. I'll get whooped for a year. All right, that's nice of you. I'll watch <laughs> you do that. Uh, I got to say. in the sky. Yeah, see? Just that sound effect to a woman who looks just like you beating me. I would learn a lot about myself, I think. do, 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 do. Uh, Bean Bruger, thank you, my friend. Yeah, wow. I don't know that I ever would have seen or heard of this movie had it not been suggested. I agree. And I I actually had a lot of fun watching it. I always say it on this show, but if you can see anything that feels unique and memorable for how unusual it is, I always like that movie, and that's what this is in spades. Yeah. But I also think it's, it's on this... Again, it's kind of like Rare Exports in a way where it's this kind of wacky, cartoony thing that is based on this bedrock of real, relatable kind of drama. Yeah. I think movies that get so far out there, if you can pull that first part of this movie off, you can get me on the S&M lesbians and yeah. – or uh, not S&M ninjas. That's what they are, not lesbians, ninjas. And, uh, you know, Ric Flair CEOs and – like, I can get down with the ending because I so enjoyed what was happening in the first part. I literally uh, had no idea really fun how movie. Going <laughs> I had an idea. And it oh, was no. The movie really rapidly lets you know. They're like, we've set you up for one thing. Now you're ours, bitch. Yeah. Ball gag in. No safe words. Let's rock. Uh, yeah, man. I, I dug it. I thought it was a really fun movie. And it's, it's a prime example of what people think this show's about. And that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah i uh i'm really glad ben suggested this this is i actually texted him and i was like i can't fucking believe that was the movie you sent us and he was like i'm really excited to hear what you guys say and i gotta i mean i'm just glad i saw it it's a movie that i can tell people i saw you'll never forget it yeah it's a movie what movie can say that you'll never forget i'll this never movie, forget the ending of a movie with a pregnant man and his son touching his belly that's I like that that's probably like the tenth most unusual moment in the movie. Yeah. That's like the <laughs> that's the most mundane, unusual thing that happens. Right. That's back when he's in his uh untrue nature, man. Dominatrix Ric Flair in. batting away grenades with a with a Dominatrix whip is the is way weirder than a pregnant yeah. man. Actually I think her having the kind of rage where it's like, I must exude this rage through belly flop that was really unsettling to me i'm like that's scary behavior yeah that, that was like that's if you like see someone doing movie. that you're really upset and scared i thought uh coming to ode to joy was pretty weird like watching the music now nah, we've all done that we've all done that no. <laughs> oh yeah sorry my bad i also like this is one of the first movies because i was watching this downstairs with my kids in the room <laughs> And it starts off with the disclaimer. You should cut this part out. Like, you should cut this part out of the pod right now. No, because I didn't know what the fuck it was. There's actually like a triangle with an exclamation point, and it's like, oh yeah. Uh, just so you know, disclaimer: no kids, animals, or God's creatures were harmed. We respect God's creatures. I was like, uh, kids, you gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I was like, what is about to happen? I actually, I wrote in when I was watching it. I wrote in my notes. I'm like, okay, the warning at the beginning of this movie is bizarrely specific. Yeah, I was a, I was more worried than I should have been. But still, I'm glad my kids only saw part of it. 
Me too. I was holding my one year old when the the other when his son was ball gagged in the roof, and I'm like, I don't know that he understands TV images yet, but this can't be good. <laughs> and I was like, Amy, you got to take him. No, <laughs> guys, that's the first gift in your stocking. And what a treat it was. Thanks again to our friend Ben Bruger. Thanks, Ben. Uh, phenomenal addition to the film Alchemist Experiment. If you guys liked it as well, or were just befuddled, man, find a friend to chain you up, ball gag you, and whoop your ass while you watch the movie together. It's super important you watch this with someone. Like, it's Yeah, very and once important. you say the safe word, send them the show. Yeah. Uh, we'll be their CEO, as it were. We'll gobble them up. We'll be the queen of gobbles. Uh if you find our show on a directory where you can leave us a rating or review, please do. That helps us find uh, new people that we aren't connected to yet uh, through ourselves or through you. Uh, and most of all, we're on social media, guys. The more you share with us and engage with us, that helps us pool in more people, more friends. Um, so this time next year, we'll have even more weird and awesome suggestions uh, for uh, the next year's journey of this. And we'll find even more R100s to share together uh, and enjoy, man. So we thank you guys for participating. This was the first one of our uh, our grand experiment this month. And man, it, if this is how it's going to be, I'm very fucking excited. Yeah. From the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I'm Alex Dandino. Thanks, bitches. Peace.